This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello and welcome to the Blood Red podcast as we get ready to take a trip down memory lane. 45 years ago, the man called God was uh, born and of course today celebrates his birthday. I am of course talking about Robbie Fowler, a man who during two spells at Liverpool made no fewer than 369 appearances, scoring 183 goals for the Reds. I'm Guy Clark and alongside me to talk about the man called God by Liverpool fans is Paul Gorst, our Liverpool correspondent and our chief LFC writer Ian Doyle. Guys, how are you? Not bad, not bad. We're, we're cracking on, aren't we? Um, always, always free up a bit of time in the schedule to talk about Robbie Fowler, guy. You know me, so uh, happy to be involved. Yeah, we, we haven't really got much else happening at the moment, to be fair. So <laughs> let's get on with it. No, always enjoyable though to to do these kind of things. And I mean, it's he's one of those players who Liverpool fans absolutely adore albeit grew up as a, an Evertonian and Everton fan himself. But it's one of these subjects that we always say during the season and things are, it'd be great to talk about Robbie Fowler. It'd be great to do a specific podcast on him. So, Gorsty, here's your chance, mate. Yeah. Um, what, what, what can I say? I mean, I think when you, you talk about the, the great strikers of, of the Premier League era for Liverpool, particularly in recent memory, you'd always think of Luis Suarez and, and Fernando Torres. Um but, you know, Robbie Fowler is up there with any of them. I mean, he scored 30 in, in three consecutive seasons. And when you think Mohamed Salah has yet to do that, Suarez never did it, Torres never did it. Um, he, he has to go down as one of the, the all-time greats at the club. And his medal record probably should be a lot a lot bigger than it is. He obviously was part of that team in, in the 2001 season that won the, the League Cup, the FA Cup and the UEFA Cup. But... Um, Real shame that he did, didn't have a few more to go with it and the circumstances in the way he left initially because, he, for me, he's one of the most purely gifted strikers that, that this country has ever produced. And I was looking at one or two stats just before we come on and it's strange to think that he didn't make his England debut until just before Euro, the European Championships in '96. He scored 31 the, the, the season before, which is remarkable to think now that just wouldn't happen with him. You know, you think players have a, a decent month and they're getting called up for England. It's... Um, I mean, there were plenty of, of top strikers around at the time, but um, it's strange that his international career wasn't along the same path as the, as the way he's looked at for, from Liverpool fans because he was an absolute genius. And certainly, even on that point, Dolly, we'll get into to plenty more. And of course, Michael Owen's name will come up, I'm sure. But you think of Michael Owen in France, 98. He'd gone there. Of course, Robbie Fowler actually injured, probably may well have gone in place of Michael Owen had he been fit. But Michael Owen goes to that tournament barely a year after making his Liverpool debut. And yet, as Gorsty's saying, by the same sort of stage in his career, Robbie Fowler was already smashing in goals left, right and centre for a couple of seasons and yet never really got that recognition on sort of the national stage yet is so obviously revered on Merseyside. Yeah, I think you got a bit. I think it's, it's a lot of football's about timing. And I think with uh, Robbie Fowler's international career, particularly that was poor timing for him because as Gorsty said, I mean, England had, who was it, Shearer and Sheringham and even before that, Ian Wright, Andy Cole. So there was, there was an awful lot of, let's be honest, very good strikers that were at that time. And Fowler was young. It just went when Owen came in. I think there was, as you mentioned, you know, Fowler was injured for that World Cup. I think Shearer was getting towards the end, and Sheringham was kind of definitely getting towards the end of his international career. Anyway, so it was it was just timing for Owen. But 
you know, talking about Robbie Fowler, I'll, de- I'll defer to my dad, who you know, star of this podcast in the past. Who at the moment we've we've locked him in his house for the last three weeks, so uh, he won't be going anywhere anywhere anytime soon. Um, but he says that Robbie Fowler is probably the best natural finisher English football's produced since Jimmy Greaves. And if anybody's seen the clips of Jimmy Greaves, what he tended to do is he could score all types of goals, but if he if he could pass it into the net, that's what he'd do. And that's what Robbie Fowler, you go back and have a look at the highlights. You might remember all of the, you know, the screamers and the headers and whatnot. But so many of them, he's just he's put hardly any effort into it. And yet they found the bottom corner, the top corner, they've, they've gone where they needed to go. So that's what he, he was so good and he was so popular because he made it all look particularly effortless. And perhaps you could argue that sometimes when it wasn't going right, it made it look as though he perhaps wasn't putting in the effort of some of the other players, but it wasn't quite like that for him. You know, I'm sure we'll, we'll we'll touch on the injuries and you know other reasons why it didn't quite possibly pan out the way that it should have done. But you know, as Ghosty said, you look at those numbers and how young he was from those first three four years of his Liverpool career, and in a Liverpool team that wasn't particularly the best there's ever been. I mean, they were still a decent team. They won what was it? They won a they won a League Cup and got to a, got to an FA Cup final and they challenged for the league on a couple of occasions. But they weren't in the same class as the likes of. Arsenal and Manchester United at that time and yet he was he was still finishing top of the scoring charts it shows you how how good a striker he actually was yeah I think it's down as five major honours obviously 2001 won the FA Cup the UEFA Cup the League Cup and of course the European Super Cup but also 95 won the the League Cup with the Reds as well he was the guy though even in his late teenage early 20 years Gorsty who was carrying the goal scoring burden for Liverpool yeah, well, he he was kind of like the the, the master and the apprentice, wasn't it? When he come through, and Ian Rush was there in, in the very twilight of his career, and Fowler was bursting on the scene as as the, the new kid on the block. And it's it's a it's a strange one when you you look at Fowler, you think of um, so often in English football, we we tend to lionise a certain type of striker, don't we? You think of big number nines, and that is always the phrase, the big number nine. And Fowler was completely different, but he wasn't someone who was like Michael Owen, who was just electrifying pace. He he was someone who, as Doyle says, he could just kind of measure it into the into the back of the net from wherever he wanted. But he wasn't someone who relied on physical gifts. He was just an absolute, you know, incredible footballer with the ball at his feet, and particularly that left foot. Uh, he scored so many types of goals. I think if you asked 10 Liverpool fans to their favourite Fowler goal, they'd probably tell you 10 different goals. You know, there were so many of them. Um, and he, he was doing it at such a young age as well. You know, I, I think he scored 18 in, in, in the 93-94 season. So not too sure how young he would have been then. But I think he was still a teenager. I think he might have been 19, maybe pushing 20. Um, if someone, someone does that now, I mean, I'm not sure... Manchester City would have the money to buy them because he'd just be so, such a such a talent, and and you know teams would would put such a an incredible price tag on them. So it was kind of um, before his time, if you like, um, just you know what an incredible striker he was. Yeah, and I suppose it was even sort of straight from the off, Doily, that he he really did sort of put his name out there that he was going to go on and be such a, a great striker for Liverpool. Scored on his debut against Fulham in the, the League Cup. That was obviously a time when League Cups had two legs all the uh, sort of all the way through, even from the uh, the early rounds. But he was a guy, even as, as Gorsty said, early mid-90s, he was there scoring the goals straight away, being the man for Liverpool. And of course, scored that hat-trick inside five minutes against Arsenal in, what, August 94? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you mentioned, Gorsi mentioned, sorry, Ian Rush. I mean, Nigel Clough was there as well. And I think it was because Clough hadn't really set the, you know, set Liverpool alight, shall we say, that Fowler was given his chance. But yeah, he, you know, he hit the ground running by scoring all those goals against Fulham. And and he was away. Another, another interesting thing with, with Fowler that I think people sometimes forget is that I'm pretty sure I'm right in saying that he, he, he broke his leg or his ankle in that first season. And when he came back, is he ended up scoring against Everton in a derby, and I think it was I think it was the winner or the equaliser. One of those two it was a two-one game at Anfield. So you know, every time he he did something early on, it's almost like because he was out injured, it kind of built that reputation, and people wanted to see more. Because I'm, I think I'm right again in saying that he was on the bench. If uh, I think it was Graham Soonest put him on the bench for a game, one of the FA Cup games where they lost either Bolton or I think it was must have been the Bolton game when they lost the previous season and people were talking about him then, even though he didn't come on and then he didn't play for another six or seven months. So we've done podcasts recently where we've spoken about, you know, youngsters coming through and how we, we tend to know all about them. There was already a buzz about him at that time. And it's partly yeah. because of the fact Liverpool were not doing particularly well. And Liverpool at that time, they, I mean, McManaman had come through, but certainly during the eighties, Liverpool weren't renowned for bringing through their own talent. They, they, they died good players, which is why that that's why they were where they were. But you know, for for these these fans who you know who started to realise maybe they're in for the long haul in terms of not particularly winning stuff, for a local lad to come through, and be as good as he was, and and as I say, hit the ground running. That's why I think he's so revered. Yeah, interesting point. I never sort of thought of it like that. Obviously, Liverpool weren't having the the greatest of time, and yet took so much solace in the fact that there was this young lad come through, scoring all the goals. And Gorst, even to yourself, from a personal point of view, as a young lad, he must have meant an awful lot seeing someone in the the red shirt plunder as many goals as Robbie Fowler did. Yeah, well, a little bit more detail in that uh, fact, guy. That um, we were from from similar areas of the city, and I actually used to play. Play with his brother when we were young kids in the street. So it was on. I mean, I think about that quite a lot actually. But I think such a strange thing now to think about it. The it'd be the equivalent of you know playing with with Mohammed Salah's younger brother and, and didn't really think too much about it. So it's a strange thing. But yeah, I mean, as a local lad, as you say, to, to come through to it's always it's always the it's the journey, isn't it? That football fans love to see you know one of their own from their own city coming through into their team and becoming the, the star of the show. It is the it's essentially these types of stories as to, as to why you are a football fan. And um, he wasn't someone who, it was a bit of a flash in the pan, he only played a few games. This was a, a player who went on to score um, well well over 100 goals for Liverpool, wasn't it? 183, did you say before, Guy? One of the, the all-time top scorers in, in Premier League history. Um, yeah, I mean, just a great story. It was it was kind of a shame the way, the way he left under those circumstances in, was it 2002, was it, 2001? Um, anyway, yeah. um, but Liverpool got a, what was a very good fee for him at the time. Um, but when it, when Rafa Benitez brought him back in in January two thousand and six, um, that that was a that was an incredible period. And and it wasn't just a sentimentality thing either, because Benitez was never that type of manager. He brought him back because he thought that he could do a decent job for him, and and he did. He, he sc- I seem to remember him scoring a handful of goals towards the end of that season in in one nil wins and. Um, would show that he still had a little bit about him. Yeah, and he, he was a guy, we, we've spoken obviously so much about scoring so many goals at the, the front end of his career, but he got the, what was it, knee injury going into the winter time, coming out of 
sort of 97, 98, Doyle. I suppose that was a key injury that really did hamper certainly the rest of his first spell at Liverpool. Came back, obviously Michael Owen had really broken into the team at France 98. And then Gerard Houllier taking over the team. And those two not quite perhaps seeing eye to eye, albeit he was club captain. Yeah, I think I think uh, with Fowler, he got, <clears throat> as you say, he got injured just as Owen had just made his breakthrough at the start of the 97-98 season. And then he made a comeback and, you know, he, he had a decent record in terms of goal scoring for, for part of that season. But you obviously comparing it against his previous record and you'd say something like, I don't know, something like 13 in 20 games or something like that. You'd still say that's good, but compared to what he'd had before that. And then people were obviously a bit of focus on Owen. He was knocking them away. And then Fowler got his injury against Everton. And that kind of put him out of action, that ruled him out of that World Cup. And then he was, since then, he was always fighting against it after that. Uh, certainly uh, with under Gerard Houllier. I don't think it's so much that, that Houllier and Fowler didn't see eye to eye. It's just that Houllier wanted to play a certain way. And you know, once he brought in Emil Heskey, you had you could argue, look, Heskey, Owen, Fowler. And I think, can't remember exactly when Lippmann turned up, but he was there for a little while. I think that was towards the end. It, it could have even been after... Um, after Fowler left, I'd have to check that. But it's the fact that the forwards were there. And Ulie, while Fowler got quite a few games, you mentioned the 2001 season, he, he scored didn't he, in the um, the League Cup final against Birmingham, that great goal. Yeah. And he scored the goal against uh, Alaves, but he came on a sub in that game, which should have won the game, really, until Vestabel decided to drop one in the last minute. Um, but it, it was always, there was a sense... At the time, I mean, I was reporting on Liverpool at the time, there was a sense of inevitability about when he went, which was kind of, I think it was November of the following season, November 2001, uh, to Leeds. Bear in mind now, if you think, oh, he went to Leeds, that's a step down. But Leeds were Champions League qualifiers and going for the league and stuff like that. So, you know, Leeds only finished just one place behind Liverpool. I think it may have been the previous season they got to the semi-final of the Champions League. So, you know, they were a good team then. So it was a good move for him, but... You know, when he, I remember when he came back, everyone at the time was thinking, this isn't going to happen. And then it kind of just happened out of the blue. And, you know, Gorsi's right. Benitez, he's not one for sentiment. Fowler was there to to do a job, which he did. And, you know, he scored a, scored a couple of goals. He obviously was never going to be quite the same as he was when he was in this first period. But uh, I think it was, I seem to remember the Champions League final in 2007 uh, against AC Milan, the one where they lost. He was one of the, I think there was two players who missed out on the bench or one. Um, he was one of them. And I, I kind of, everybody kind of knew that was a, drew a line under it. And then, then he was, uh, that was the end of his second spell. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. And you say, you mentioned even there, Doyle, the 2001 season scoring in the League Cup final, the UEFA Cup final. We also, of course, got a brace on the final day against Charlton, which got Liverpool at the time Champions League football. And yeah. as you say, he then moves on to, to Leeds United. And when he came back, though, that sense of sort of feeling that the fan base had of him returning, Gorst, he must have been sort of like no other signing that's happened in recent times, I suppose, you get excited about big names coming in and everything, but Robbie Fowler returning, albeit everyone knew he probably wasn't going to be, or he wasn't going to be the player he'd previously been, but he was back after leaving, as Doyley said, in perhaps not the best of fashion of just sort of being moved on maybe before you would have wanted to see him leave. Yeah, it was, uh, I mean, if it, if it wouldn't have been Benitez as the manager, I think it would have been written off as a bit of a, 
um, bit of a sentiment thing, but Benitez was just not that type of manager, was he? You know, every every player who played for him, whenever they speak about him, they always talk about this cold, hard tactician who didn't really care for anything other than just focusing on on the next match and whatever. So for him to bring Fowler back was was proof that he still had a little bit to offer. Um, I'm just looking through the stats now, and that season he ended up actually playing 14 times in the league, which was quite a lot really when you consider he only joined in, in the second half of that season. Um, I'd imagine most of those were from the bench. He, he still scored five goals, I think. The majority of them came late on and those seemed to be big goals, well, you know, particularly what 1-0 wins and, and it was Fowler um, with the goals. So he, he still had a little bit to offer and, uh, you know, as Dory says, it, he was never going to be the, the star of the show again, but he was just another option at the time and um, it, it was great for, for fans who, who didn't really like the way he left to for him to come back and kind of have that, that real send-off when um, when he finally left in 2007, you know, when I think it was at Charlton, was it, the last game of the season when, yeah. he, when he left in 2007 um, for, the, for the cop to give him a, a proper send-off that they were almost denied back in, um, in 2001 when, when he left. And Doyle, I was just wondering, obviously he returns in January 2006, plays on the, the 1st of February at home against Birmingham City, one all draw. Had to wait over a month for his first goal back in a 5-1 win over Fulham. Don't know if you were obviously at the game, you obviously were covering Liverpool during the time, but I just wondered what the mood in the stadium was, A, when he did return, but also when he first got his name on the score sheet once more. Well, I was at both of those games, and what I can tell you is that the game against Birmingham, he came on as a sub late on, and Liverpool were drawing, and I think it was in the last minute or even injury time, he scored this remarkable overhead kick, and it got this for offside, and at the time, the stadium was in uproar until he realised the flag had gone up. So, you know, that would have been a bit of a... In some ways, that kind of sums Fowler's time up at Liverpool, in a way, because it was it was almost the fairy tale story, because it just... You know, while it's it's a great story and he, he remains popular, and as we've said, still one of the the greatest natural strikers, probably the greatest natural striker Liverpool have ever had. But it it didn't end up being quite the career that his talents perhaps deserved, and that that moment against Birmingham underlined that. Uh, I mean, the goal against Fulham. I'll be honest, I can't quite remember, but I would imagine that there would be quite a large cheer because uh, I think everybody scored that day. Pretty sure Stephen Warnock scored that day. The only time he ever scored for Liverpool. But uh, now, when 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 he came back, I think. Wasn't so much, there wasn't quite the, you know, the reliance on him because that's another thing is that when he was when he was the man during the nineties, not so much everything on him, but nearly everything was on him. By the time he came back the second time, I think everybody he knew his place. I think he, was, he knew he was coming towards the end of his career anyway, and I think people were just able to appreciate it a bit more. And I think he's he's said in the past that he can appreciate it a bit more. I think he said recently I saw him on television actually saying that the best thing he did for his career was to leave Liverpool because by going to other clubs, such as Leeds and Man City, who are both big teams, that it made him appreciate more what he had at Liverpool so that when he then could go back the second time, he was able to enjoy it a lot more. Yeah, no, that is a, a good point. And obviously now, of course, he's, he's gone on into uh, management. He's down in Australia coaching Brisbane Roar. And just wonder, obviously, you have someone like Steven Gerrard, who, of course, came through the ranks, was captain, was captain for Istanbul, had the cup final in 2006. And every move he's made ever since leaving Liverpool, going to L.A., coming back and coaching with the youth team, everyone's been looking at it, thinking, oh, Steven Gerrard's on the path to return to Liverpool as the manager one day. I just wonder if there's that feeling of 
perhaps Robbie Fowler could be that man because of course after Liverpool he went and played for Cardiff he played for Blackburn Rovers he had time out in India he's been waiting to get an opportunity in coaching a long time he's gone all the way to Australia for it and albeit seems to be doing quite well down there yeah I mean I'd, I'd be a little bit wary of of turning towards a, a, an ex-legend and or a, you know a, a playing legend to become the manager because um, being a good player is not a prerequisite to being a, a top manager, and we only need to look at Manchester United down the road to see that um, they're in a little bit of a bind because of, of such a situation. Um, it, I mean, as, as much as as fans would idolise certain players, Steven Gerrard, Robbie Fowler, Xabi Alonso, he's another one who, who's in management. I think the managerial step should be should be judged in in that. That's fear, if you like. I don't think um, their playing days should be um, should be used to, to give them the, the job, the top job at Liverpool, because I think Liverpool need um, a world class manager, and, and being a top player doesn't always kind of translate to that. So um, I'm not sure what Fowler or Gerard would have to do to kind of convince me that that they are good enough to become Liverpool managers. But they're only just starting out in their managerial careers. They've got years down the line to, to learn and hone their craft as a manager. I'd love to see it, I would, but um, I think um, just being a top player doesn't necessarily mean you, you should be in, in the frame to be manager of Liverpool. No, and of course the Australian A-League is miles away from the Premier League, but I suppose, Doyle, it does show the hunger that Robbie Fowler does actually have, though, to pursue something in coaching, because I remember seeing him on TV a couple of seasons back talking about how he'd knocked on the door for chance after chance and wasn't really given anything, and yet he's got this status at Liverpool, I'm sure, as a club ambassador or whatever, he could quite happily sit back and see things play out from a nice vantage point at Anfield. But he does seem to have that determination to try and make something of himself as a coach, as a manager. Yeah, that's true. I mean, to go all the way to Australia, I mean, that that's a big effort. Okay, the, the, the weather might be a bit nice, but, you know, it, it's it's an, an interesting one. He's gone with Tony Grant, hasn't he? He used to, used to play at Everton. So the pair of them are over there. I think he's his, his assistant, Tony Grant. So... It, as you say, it will be interesting to see how it pans out. Another thing with, with with Robbie though is that I know that he set up the the Fowler Education and Football Academy. He's, he's always quite keen to put something back into the community because he's got such close links with it. And I've actually spoken to him and done a few pieces on them. And he, it's something that he's genuinely really proud of. He, it's something he, he takes a massive interest in. He's he, he's he's got it set up there with a few others. And it's, he's not just like a figurehead when he's been in in Liverpool in the city. He's actually got stuck in and helped out. And uh, it was a, it was on one of those uh, you know, occasions where you get invited down that he was I went to see him and at the time he was he was just finished training the the youngsters and he was just knocking a few in like he was wearing his jeans and his shoes knocking a few in from the corner you know to the top bin so even even like in his forties he still got it. Yeah, no, I'm sure you don't you don't lose the talent in that left boot that Robbie Fowler obviously possessed many a time at Anfield. And I just wonder, he's probably in that bracket of before we got to the, the post-millennium era of seeing everything on YouTube, like Steven Gerrard, all of his highlights are absolutely everywhere. Yet Robbie Fowler, you see some of his goals pop up on Twitter from time to time, of course, the on, sort of these on these day moments and stuff. And it does yeah. take you all the way back. He's probably in that last bracket of players where it is sort of how you kind of remember it from those childhood memories before everything was plastered and repeated everywhere, all on our TV screens. Yeah, there was a goal he scored against Bram Bergen in the Cup Winners' Cup, was it from 95 or 6, um, where 
it's a long ball from Bjornaby, and then it's it's nodded to him, runs onto it, flicks it over the defender's head with his first touch and runs onto it and sticks it away. And so many people in the comments on Liverpool's official account were saying, oh, I don't remember this goal, I don't remember that one. And it's it's probably Fowler's best goal. Uh, but as you say, because it's, it's not so widely accessible, these kind of goals have gone under the radar a little bit. So if you never get the chance to, to see, um, you know, I think Sky Sports do a um, Premier League Legends thing where they, they show the majority of the goals from players who've scored 100 or more, and, and Fowler's obviously one of them. So if you ever get the chance to to view that, give it a watch, because you'll see some goals that, that you'd, you'd either forgotten about or you've never even seen before. Um, as you say, it's just an absolute genius of a footballer. And of course, he did have the record, didn't he, for the quickest hat-trick, where he scored the three against Arsenal uh, at Anfield, which that's 26 years ago now. So he must have only been 18 or 19 at the time. And uh, who broke that record? Sadio Mane. Correct, yes, when he was at Southampton. So, yeah, I think, as, as we mentioned before, that he's just scored that many goals and that many good goals that it's easy just to forget most of them. I remember he scored one against um, Aston Villa in the in the league at Anfield where he just bonk, plonked it in from 30 yards without even, like, no backlift whatsoever. That was another thing. He, that's another way in which it looked effortless for him because he never seemed to be, you know, put much power in it. But you ask you know, the opposing goalkeepers, they'd say that was the worst for them because... He, he just couldn't judge how hard he'd hit it. And also, he also took penalties and he took free kicks as well. He scored a free kick against uh, Wickham, wasn't it, in the FA Cup semi-final in 2001. So, so and I'm, I'm sure he got one against United in one game as well. So, he's remember he scored the two goals at United when uh, Old Trafford was getting rebuilt. Which is, so, that we could be here all day just remembering them, remembering them all. And it, you're right, Guy, to say that, you know, it, it is once much a shame, but... You know, almost all of his goals were during the Premier League era, so they, they'll all be around. It's just that there was no Sky Sports news back then. There was no, not you know, no internet as such. There was not none of this YouTube culture. So, I suppose for people who might go, well, how good is Robbie Fowley? Just go, well, you know, get yourself on YouTube. Get yourself watching, as you say, the Sky Sports Premier League years. Get yourself watching on LFC TV that when they show the old games, and then you get to appreciate how good a player he is. And I, I'm glad that people. You know, you know, certain people get judged by what the amount that they win. Like you look at the team now; most people remember it because they won the Champions League. You know, you know, Fowler was part of the team that won the won the treble, and he scored in two of the finals. But it's not quite a quite a Champions League. But I, I like the fact that he'll still be remembered for the player that he was, not rather than the actual the trophies that he won. Even though he did win a few. Yeah, no, definitely. Well, but before we go, I just want to ask you guys. Your favourite or abiding sort of Robbie Fowler memory? I'm going to just kick this off and go in a way that I don't think either of you will be expecting this at all. But my first ever football shirt was a, a Liverpool number nine Robbie Fowler shirt because he was the first player actually that got me sort of into to football and liking football. And I have to then hold my hands up and say, actually, I come from a, a background, neither of my parents really into to football, so didn't really understand what was going on at all with him. But only a couple of weeks after my my birthday where I got this Robbie Fowler shirt he was then sold to Leeds so if you want to blame me you can but uh, yeah <laughs> just want to ask you guys uh, your abiding sort of Fowler memories go on go see you yeah. first yeah I mean, we'll be here all day talk, talking about that but there was one there was one I seen only only this week actually and, and um, when I seen it uh, you know I had a big smile on my face because the first first uh, trophy I remember Liverpool winning was the Coca-Cola Cup and they beat Bolton at Wembley and it's remembered largely for, for the Steve McManaman final, if you like, where he absolutely ran the show. But 
There's a picture of Fowler and Rush in the dressing room in that old Liverpool kit, which I loved anyway. Both holding the cup, and it's it's like, yeah, I, I, that was the, the the first trophy I remember Liverpool winning. Um, so that, that's probably the first one that comes to my head. But it's only because of, I've seen it this week. I mean, we could be here all day talking about the goals he scored. Uh, I must admit, the one that I remember is funny enough. It's it's right at the end. It, it, it may even be the last goals that he scored, which was a a hat trick. In his first spell, I should say, a hat-trick at Leicester. Mm. Uh, and it was around the time when he was in and out of the team and the, the speculation was starting, you know, is he going to be as good as he was? Is he going to be on his way? But it's just that the goals that he scored that day was that kind of like little reminder to everybody that, you know, here I am and I'm, I can still do it. And uh, that sticks in the memory, yeah. Well, guys, thanks a lot for uh, for joining us. We've got ourselves through the best part of half an hour there. And as you say, Gorsty, I'm sure we could have spent many more here just reminiscing and, and talking about Robbie Fowler. But last thing to uh, to do is to wish Robbie Fowler a happy birthday. And Gorsty, I don't know if you want to sing happy birthday to him, do you, mate? <laughs> Should we sing it in all a different, different air country? Yeah. <laughs> I'll sing it in wool, shall I? Yeah. <laughs> Well, anyway, guys, thanks a lot for uh, for joining me, and it's been great to uh, to reminisce. You've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo.